We're in the book of 1 Thessalonians, and as we're walking through the book, uh, we're getting near the end of it. And one of the things that you find at the end of 1 Thessalonians, which you see often in the books of the Bible, uh, Paul's book, is at the end, it's kind of like he starts throwing it all together and does this catch-all kind of thing. And so a lot of times in the books that Paul writes, at the end of them, you see all these great little one-liners. And, and a lot of times, they're only like four or five words. And Thessalonians is, no, is, is not special that way in that when we get to the end of chapter 5 in this last section, Paul throws a ton of stuff at us. So we're going to try to break it down. He's actually got three sets of things that he goes through pretty quickly. And uh, we're going to start looking through them this morning. So we're going to take a couple of them, uh, break them up a little bit as we talk about them. So this morning we're only going to look at four verses, but uh, they're packed. They are really, really, really packed. Uh, it's important, Paul has two little phrases at the beginning of each section. One is we, we request, and then, then he goes, and then we urge. So it's the idea of, okay, I really want you to pay attention to this. This is important. So here's the first section, and here's what he starts out uh, in verse 12. Here's what he, he says. First Thessalonians 5.12. Um, got it, guys? Uh-oh, what happened? Huh? <laughs> no. Don't. No. <laughs> nice try. Nice try. Wow. And I knew who my friends are not. No. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Here we go. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. But peace be among yourselves. Now, Paul here addresses the leadership, and he says, look, I want to talk to you a little bit about the leadership there in Thessalonica, because they had people who were over them, spiritual leaders who were leading and guiding them, just like we do here at this church. And, here's, and, and notice Paul, he kind of gives us an idea of who they are. He says, first of all, they labor among you. So that's who he's talking about people who are as part of the congregation. It's interesting, the word labor has the idea of hard, tough, exhausting kind of work. Now, I'm, I'm a pastor, so I've heard the joke, be nice to only work an hour a week. Uh, I always tell people who tell me that, will you please say that to my wife and can I watch? Because one of the things that you learn about church, being involved in church leadership, and many of you have sat on boards and you've been involved in churches and things like that, what you find is, it is exhausting work. Um, I Personally, if you gave me a choice between counseling for four hours or going out and roofing for two days, roofing would be less exhausting. And those of you who have ever done mental stuff, you know what I'm talking about. Mentally, you, just, you get to a point where you've got to be so engaged mentally and all of that, and, and it does become e- exhausting. One of the things you've got to understand about leadership, and this is what Paul says to these people, is, you know, you have to understand there is a labor involved in leading a group of people. Uh, and, and, and that's who he's addressing. So he's talking about those, those kind of people. As the church grows, it even gets more. And it becomes more. And when you deal with a building project, it, it's more. And when you, so there's a lot that, that, that's added to it. And then notice what he also says. He says, who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. This is an important part of it. 
It's not something you want to do. Something you have to do. You know, when I, got, when I told my dad I wanted to go into ministry, I'll never forget, my dad looked at me and said, you know what, son, if you can do anything else and be happy, go do it. And I thought, you know what, that, that's incredibly cool to say to a 16-year-old who's excited about going into ministry. No, I, I understand exactly what he's saying right now. What he was saying is, look, it's a calling, and if God hasn't called you, then don't go. But if it's a calling, sometimes that's the only thing that will keep you there. We have a group of people who have been on the board here, and they're not on it because they want to. Believe me, all of them want off. They're on it because they know that's what God wants for them right now. And it's a deal where, it is a deal where you do it because the Lord wants you to do it. And if, you're on it, and if guys are on it for any other reason, we try to get them off. But you know that. Because if you're coming on with your own agenda and your own plans and your own thing, then that's not, it's about what God wants for this church and these people and this ministry right now. It's about what God wants, not what we want. Okay? And that's important. And then he also talks about the idea that he says, um, and they admonish you. Uh, it's the idea of the job, my job and the job of the board is to sometimes say the tough stuff. That's not popular in our culture. It's not popular among you. There's times that I have to sit down with people and say, look, you know what? You know, there's times I have to sit down with a couple and go, you know what? You guys are wrong here. And you're going to end up divorced if you don't change some stuff. And those are never fun conversations. Those are never fun things to get, to get involved with. And Paul says, look, you know, you've got to realize there's a group of people that help lead this thing that are very important to this thing. And it was, it was also true in Thessalonica, and that's who Paul writes this section about. He's, he's not saying they're perfect people, but he's saying, look, there's some things about these people that you ought to know, and there's some things about these people you ought to do. And notice what he goes on to say. And by the way, I think you guys do all of these things well, so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm like preaching the choir. But I, I also want to say it so that we all understand it. And notice what he says. Um, Oh, no, 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 we'll go back, go back, go back, back, back. We're here for a while. Um, <clears throat> over you in the Lord. To esteem them, or first of all, we've got to go back. To recognize those who labor among you. See that idea of recognize them? It's the idea of respect them, pay them respect. Literally, the idea is to acknowledge them, to appreciate their value. Now, here's the, here's the oxymoron here. In this church, we teach leadership is about servants. So as this church grows, everybody goes, oh, you got more people. Let me tell you how I look at it. No, we just got more feet to wash. We got more people to take care of. And that's a good thing, but that's also a thing that we got to fix. We got to be able to take care of these people too. We got to be able to take care of the people that come. So... The board's job is to make sure we're taking care of everybody. So here's the thing that I, in some churches, it's like, okay, your board guys are like, the, the board people are like the most spiritual people in the church. Here's the way I look at it. No, the people who are leading it are the people who are doing the most service in the church. So technically, if they're doing their job right, you don't pay any attention to them. So if they're doing, if we as a leadership are doing what we're supposed to do, first of all, you probably don't know who they are. If I were to ask you to name all the board members right now, most of you couldn't. And that's the way we want it. But here's the flip side of that that hurts us. 
those are very important people here because they're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes that nobody realizes. And, and one of the things that Paul says is, he said, one of the things you want to do is, he said, you know, he said, you, you, you want to acknowledge them. You want to, you, you want to know who they are, you know. Um, so, you know, when people look at this church, one thing is easy to look at me and they go, oh, okay, you know, you're doing a great job. No, 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 no. It's not me. It's the group of people that are standing behind me, supporting me, helping me do what I need to do. That's who it is, you know. And so I'm going to take, and I know they're going to hate this, but they can take it up with me at the next board meeting. Um, but, you know, I, who's the, the two newest guys are who? It would probably be Gail and Phil. Um, they're probably the two newest guys that we've got on the board. And then I think it was Chris and Doug, right? Okay. Um, <clears throat> and then, then Lael and, huh? Dan, yeah, and Dan and Earl. I didn't miss anybody, did I? Okay, okay, okay. I could. Um, but I want to talk about, I want to focus on a couple of them this morning. They're really going to get upset with me, but they'll get over it. Layla Juanita, Earl and Liz, and Dan and Marcia have been here since day one. So that means all the good things that have happened here, they've been a part of. And all the bad, ugly stuff, they were hip deep in. They had to work through some very difficult times in this ministry. Times when I was ready to walk out. Times when um, the pressures of ministry were overwhelming. It's interesting to me as we do this project, you know who I see here just about every time? Those three families. Now, part of that is because they saw it start at the beginning and they watched what God did and it's been so exciting they want to be part of it again. A bigger part of it is this. This is what God has called them to do. Because all three of them would tell you. If I looked at them tomorrow and said, hey, would you be willing to step off the board? Yeah, they're all going. Um, yeah, bobblehead. Yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, some of them have talked to me about doing it. They're like, I need to, we need to let the younger guys come in, and we need to do that, and da 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 but, but I have to step back and go, no, you don't understand. You guys bring some wisdom to the table. Because you were here even before me. And it's important that we keep some of that, that deal. So, and we're trying to work that thing out, because the other thing is they're getting old and tired. Um, <laughs> and now they're not going to feel so bad about it. Anyway, um. Yeah, and the next point is we esteem them highly. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, but I mean, uh, but there is, and here's the thing. This is what I want you to understand. You've got to realize the people who are leading this thing have a tough job because there are so many things we have to deal with today that we didn't have to deal with 25 years ago when I got into this gig. You know, I mean, you know, we got insurance and liability and, and, and all of these things now, and and you're, you're trying to be a community thing, and you're trying to take care of families. You need to understand, when you have to make decisions, sometimes you've got to make really tough decisions that hurt and impact people. And it's easy to sit back and be the armchair quarterback 
and go, oh, you guys should have done this, or you guys should have done it this way, or you should have done it this way. But you've got to remember, we have a lot of information that we just can't share publicly sometimes. And so there, there, there comes this element of, of trust, and Paul said, look, esteem them highly. And then he says, love them for the work that they do. You know, understand that, you know, and, and part of this is understanding them, you know. Realize, I mean, you know, I mean, I have, we have one situation where, um, I mean, literally, you know, somebody came straight from work and skipped dinner to be at a meeting. And we have stuff like that all the time. There have been situations where I've had to call people and they've had to drop whatever plans they had to get up here to have a meeting. Because we had a crisis come up and we had to get together and we had to solve it right away. And we've had a situation where we've had, we've had people try to destroy this or hurt this. And we've had to deal with that. We've had crises where people have um, just overwhelming family thing that got dumped in their lap and they weren't expecting it. And we're, we're trying to figure out how we can help them and minister to them. We've had to navigate all kinds of tough social issues, everything from AIDS to now we're dealing with, you know what, you don't know, what is the last year, you know, we've been talking about the LGBT thing and how we cut, protect ourselves as a church. And we've actually been hashing through that for over a year. Nobody knows about that kind of stuff. And that's okay. We don't want you to. But this is why Paul says, look, love your leadership. And that's the thing that you want people go, you know, how, how come you've stayed 24 years? You know why? Because we love you guys and you guys love us. That goes a long way. And then this is what I think is bizarre. You know what he says at the end here? Be at peace among yourselves. What's he talking about? What's he been talking about the whole time? Leadership. And you don't want to know one of the ways that he says you can best help leadership? Be at peace among yourselves. Because 75% of the problems you deal with in most church stuff is interpersonal stuff. You know how easy would be, you know how easy my life would be if every couple said, Pastor, our goal is to be at peace among ourselves. So you know what? We're going to deal with all of it. We're, we're just going to love each other like crazy. And if we call you up, it's because we want to know a better way to love each other. <sighs> That's what he says. He says, look, figure out your own stuff. It's funny because my wife and I sometimes will, we don't talk shop much at home. Because, you know, we, I do with my stuff. She deals with her stuff. And when we come home, we want to deal with our stuff. You know, so we don't talk shop a lot, but every once in a while, you know, she, she knows something's up, and I know something's up, and we're talking to someone. And every once in a while, we'll look at each other and go, you know what, our jobs just really aren't that much different at times. <clears throat> you know, you're dealing with all the little fighting with kindergartners, and I'm dealing with all the fighting with adults. Um, just kind of not, not that far off sometimes. And Paul says, look, I want to tell you, encourage your leadership. And, and you guys do a good job of it here. What I want you to do is I want you to know that you guys do a great job of encouraging me. What I want you to do is kind of encourage the people that are behind me because they're really, really a big part. Probably a bi- they are a bigger part of this than I am because at least three of them have been committed to this thing longer than I have. Okay? And, and, and that goes a long way. And in and, and most boards, there's an adversarial relationship between the board and the, and the pastor. Some of you sat on enough boards, you've seen that. We don't have that. I can genuinely say the people on the board are friends first, board members second. And that's rare. That's very, very rare. 
And I understand how rare that is. Okay? Um, that doesn't mean we don't disagree. Okay? We do. And we fight for what we believe and, and our positions. And that's what we want it. But the ultimate thing is, we also understand at the end that our best interest is the church and Christ and what he wants for this place. Now he goes on to talking about how we treat each other and others. And you're not going to like this, but we're going to go there. Here's what he says next, uh, verse 14 and 15. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Now, he's going to jump into this. He's going to tell you how to help other people. And again, this is how we work together as a, as a body of Christ. Here's what he says. Warn, he said, warn those who are unruly. Literally, here's what was happening. In the church at this time, one of the things that had happened is people thought Jesus was coming back, so they quit their jobs. And Jesus didn't come back, so what did they have to do? Well, but they didn't get a job. You know what they started doing? They started going to other Christians and going, hey, can you take care of me? Can I stay with you? Will you feed me? And You know what Paul said? He said, warn them. Basically, go get a job. He said, mm, you're going to have to take those and warn them that they can't do this. And then he talks about um, comfort the faint-hearted. Um, I love this. Literally, the word faint-hearted, you know what it means? Small-souled. Comfort the small-souled. Comfort those who are people who give up easy. Have you ever met these kind of people? You know? It's like, oh, you know what? You know, everything was going good in my life, and all of a sudden this little thing happened, and now I'm going to quit. Paul said, look, those kind of people, you've got to comfort them. You've got to come alongside them. You've got to help them. And there are a lot of people that are like that, particularly younger Christians who are new Christians, and, and things are going well, and then all of a sudden something hits them, and, the, and they don't have the background to be able to handle it. We've got to come alongside and help them. And that's what Paul said. He said, comfort those people. And then he talks about um, uphold the weak. There are some that are weak in their faith, and they need to be taught. They need somebody to come alongside of them to help them. And Paul said, look, that's what you and I need to do. There are people that, are, that, that as people come into this congregation, there are some that struggle more than others, and we have to come alongside and help them. And that's what Paul says. Then he gets to this last section in the, these four verses, and notice what he says. Be patient with... Be patient with, be patient with, be patient with, you're going, uh, come on, hurry up. Be patient with all. Okay, there's no fudge room here. Be patient with all. There's no wiggle room. Okay, and here's what's interesting. Then Paul is going to tell you two things that are key to that. But he starts out by going, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to be patient. Literally, the word is long-tempered. Just like we have short tempers, Paul said, no, no. You need to be patient with all. And notice how he says. He tells you how to do it. See that, no, because, <clears throat> I don't have time to get into this, but let me explain this to you. In the Greek language, there are different tenses which mean different things. Be patient with all is in one tense. The next two statements are what we call imperatives. In other words, they are commands. 
There's no wiggle room. It's like, be patient with all, and here's how you do it. Do this and do this. Same thing you see when you come to a stop sign. It's not a yield sign where you go, oh, maybe I'll stop, maybe I won't. No, stop means what? Stop. An imperative means do it. Period. Don't debate it. Don't think about it. Do it. So he says, be patient with all people, and here's how. First one, see that no one renders evil to anyone. Period. The first thing that you have to do is give up that whole idea of revenge or getting even or getting back. He said, you can't be patient with somebody if you're plotting against them. You can't be patient with somebody if you're sitting back waiting for God to drop the bomb and destroy their life. And he says, look, be patient with everyone. And the first step is give up your right to be, get revenge. I'm not going to go into the Frozen song, let it go. But let it go. It's not your deal. It's God. You go, no, 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 this, you don't know what they did to me. Be patient with all. You don't know how much. Be patient with all. Do not render evil for evil to anyone. Period. And then secondly, notice what he says. <clears throat> Pursue what is good both for yourself and for all. He actually gives you a negative and a positive. Don't do this, go do this. Give up your right to revenge. Don't, don't plot your revenge. You really want to be patient. Don't plot your revenge. And do what's good for you and for them. That's what you do. In other words, you step up and you be the hero. Now, let's just put this in a practical way. Those of you who are married and your spouse isn't doing X, whatever X is, cleaning out the dishwasher, doing the dishes, putting their stuff away, whatever X is, be patient towards your spouse. Don't try to get even. If they won't do that, I'm not going. The Ray Romano, uh, whatever that show was. Everybody loves Raymond. If you ever get to see the classic episode on the suitcase at the bottom of the stairs, that is it. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's what he says. You know, all of a sudden it's like, well, if they're not going to do that. Well, you know what? If they're not going to do the dishes, then you know what? I'm not going to pick up after them. And so what happens? This suitcase sits at the bottom of the stairs, and they keep moving it from one side to the other, and it doesn't do anybody any good. And he says, look, don't be plotting revenge, and do what's good for all. Put the suitcase away. Then it doesn't frustrate you, and it doesn't frustrate them. Try to outdo each other for good. That's the idea. And we forget this. And Paul says, look, just really practical. You want to help yourself? Look, some of you have been hurt really bad. 
by churches, by other people, by, by jobs, by whatever else. And some of you have gotten burned really, really bad. I'm not going to minimize that at all. There's a big debate in Christianity whether you forgive immediately or whether you forgive only if asked. There's some people that say forgiveness is like salvation. You don't get forgiveness until you ask for forgiveness. There are other people who say, no, forgiveness is like Jesus on the cross. He forgave them even though they never asked for forgiveness. I'm going to give you my theory. I think forgiveness is more about me than it is about anybody else. I think forgiveness allows me the freedom to go on regardless of what you do. I'm not going to so much worry about whether or not you deserve forgiveness. I'm going to give you forgiveness so I can move on in my world. And I think that is incredibly freeing. And for some of you, you struggle because you won't let it go. And you're stuck. And you think it's about something else, but the reality of it is you're not doing yourself any good or anyone around you any good as long as you harbor that unforgiving spirit or that bitterness or that anger or that resentment or whatever it is. And then Paul steps back and he goes, look, do what's good for yourself and everyone else too. And I think this would make a world of difference in our homes and everything else if we can start to implement some of it. So a couple of takeaways and and we're done. Um, Here's the first one. Be understanding with church leadership. And again, right now, everything's going well. I don't don't know of any problems. There could be a ton of them. I just don't know them, okay? Um, So everything's good as far as leadership. Everything's good as far as direction of church. Everything's good all the way across the board. But try to be understanding when decisions have to be made. Try to love the people that are making the decisions. Understanding that they don't have a personal agenda. They're not out to get you or, you know, maybe you wanted us to do the building blue instead of green or tan or whatever. It's not like there was a conspiracy against blue. We're trying to do what's best with the information we have at the time that we have it. And we're not perfect. And so mistakes are going to be made. And you need people, we need people in the church who just love us past the mistakes. Bring it to our attention, let us address it, but then let it go. I don't want a church that just ignores all the problems. No, no, if there's a problem, we want to know it. And we may or may not handle it like you think we ought to handle it. That's okay. That's okay. I I don't agree with everything my wife decides, okay? But I still love her, and I'm still going to support her, and I'm still going to be in her corner, and she's still going to be on on a pedestal in my world. I just think she was wrong. You know, that's okay. That's okay. And, and that's all we're asking, you know. And, and understand that as we grow, it's going to get harder and harder because here's, what, here's, what, here's the other side of what we haven't talked about. Satan does not want it to grow. So he's going to attack leadership, inside the church, outside the church, community, everything else. See, I've already ticked off Dan. No, 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 I know. Uh, actually, they're doing a fundraiser thing for Philip and Connie, and that's where they're headed. So um, not a problem. Um, I'll deal with him later. No, uh, no. Uh, 
But I mean, I want you to understand it. We love each other. We're understanding. And, and, and I really want to encourage you. You need to know, my wife and I, we feel the love. We really do. And, and there was a time that one of the big issues for us is if something happened to me, what would my wife do? Would she go back and live with her folks? Would she stay here? da 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 One of the things that we've talked about is the idea of we're to the point now that because the kids are here and because of the church family here, this is home. And a big part of that is you guys. And you need to know that. You need to know that we feel loved here. Um, and we understand that here. And that's important. I want you to know that behind me is a group of people that allow me to do what I do and help me do what I do and carry the load when I can't do it and when I haven't been able to do it. And those people, I think eternity is going to reveal, those are the people who really are central at what God has done here, even more so than the pastor that stands at the pulpit. And so continue to support them, okay? Second thing is this. You have people around you all week who are struggling. Help them. Help them. We have people here who struggle. Help them. Find that kid who may be struggling in school and encourage them. Find that older single person who, or young single person who needs to be around other people because they have a life that involves a lot of loneliness. Get involved and get engaged. Come alongside. When you see, you know, okay, good. This is a great illustration. When you see a kid, no, 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 I want to use this. Don't go too far. When you see a mom who's struggling with a baby, you can help out. We could do a nursery and we could shuttle all the kids out there. But we've learned a long time ago, these kids learn a whole lot more than you think they're learning. They, no offense, they learn more than you do. It's amazing what they pick up, you know. And, I mean, we have kids who, have, who are 10. Oh, Mom, you should do what PJ says. It's awesome. It is awesome because they're listening and they're learning. Yes, you know, when we do the baby dedication thing and the child dedication thing, you know, like we said, yes, it is, it is, it is Brittany and Nathan's child. No question about it. They're primarily responsible. But we as a group need to come alongside and help them. And that kid should feel like my kids do, where they have lots of aunts and uncles and lots of grandparents and lots of people who are invested in their life. Because that's what family does. And the last thing is this. Be patient with all. And some of you need to let go of some stuff. You can't go forward until you do. And some of you need to step back and say, you know what, how can I do good in that situation? And it will do good for you as well as the other people. And it will change you as well. And I just want to encourage you, because when Paul writes this, he's writing it to people who are struggling. And he gives them these tools to be able to help them as they live their life there in Thessalonica. So I end with this.
We're challenged to support the spiritual leaders God has placed in our lives. We're reminded that many in this world are struggling and God wants to use us to help them. Helping them often requires patience. Patience requires us to put aside our rights and focus on the good that God desires for us and those around us. Let him use you this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Guide us. Direct us. Lord, it's easy to get wrapped up in our world. It's easy to get so consumed with all of the stuff that's going on. But Lord, there are situations like this kid Muhammad who would give anything to be a part of something like this today. Who would give anything to be able to hear the word of God preached and, and work it into their lives. And yet, Lord, um, you have given, you have allowed that for us. And we thank you for it. But, but Lord, if we just hear it and don't do anything, then Lord, it, it, it's a waste of, of time on our part. So help us to do it differently today. This week, Lord, open our eyes to people who need us to come alongside them and help them. Lord, for those that we've become impatient with, would you help us to be patient? Lord, would you help us to put aside our right to get even? And Lord, would you help us to figure out a way that we can do good to all those that we come in contact with? And when it is all said and done, Lord, may people see Christ in us and use us to impact the world around us. These things we ask in your name. Amen.